Jordan, open. Chicago with the lead. Bryant to Shaq. Not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. LeBron James with no record for human life. Anything's possible. Hello and welcome back to episode three of the Ball Boys NBA podcast. I'm joined here with just one guest today, Cal. How you doing, mate? Mitch, doing well. Today we got the um, CMMC combo. Yeah, the run CMC. That's it. <laughs> Jermaine, unfortunately, can't can't join us. He's had a, a big night last night, so he'll be uh, sort of joining us next week. But we're running as a duo today. Um, and, and the big news, I guess, Cal, for today's episode is that we've, we've got actual basketball to talk about, some meaningful games that have been played. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, very exciting stuff. There's been some actually some really good games as well to watch um, over the past couple of days. Yeah, there's, there's been a few close ones, and, and I guess a bit of a theme that I've noticed over the, the first few NBA games starting, a lot of big scores, a lot of, lot of high-scoring games so far. Yep, a lot of close ones, a lot of big scores. Yeah, there's, there's, I feel like so far, just as a general sort of takeaway, um, and I don't know if you've seen this, maybe not so in some of the games that sort of uh, meaning uh, testing out the seedings and things like that, but a lack of defense potentially and, and, and maybe some of the teams still trying to sort of feel each other out, get, get back into their rhythm. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on, on that sort of thing at the moment? Yeah, I agree. When you look at the, the games from yesterday and <clears throat> the day before, um, every team put up at least 100 points, which um, genuinely doesn't happen. Obviously, in today's NBA, um, you know, it's one of the best, most offensive kind of leagues we've had in decades. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, well, we had a couple of overtime games as too, so that, that, that'll boost those scores up. But I'm just looking at the, the run, to the games from yesterday, a couple of... Games finishing with 140 points. All games, actually all games over 110. Not one team scored less than 110. The lowest score was the Celtics at 112. Um, and, and the Wizards yesterday. So some some pretty, pretty high scoring games so far. And I was just watching a few of the games and I think that, um, especially like the first half for a lot of games, people are sort of running through the motions, get, getting back into the groove of it, but particularly games that don't mean a whole lot. We'll, we'll get to, a, you know, like the Grizzlies and Trailblazer games and, and, and things like that later on, which have a bit more meaning. But, you know, I was watching the Celtics and Bucks yesterday and, and it just sort of felt like the, the home and away advantage doesn't mean so much. So teams are sort of just trying to get their rhythm back and, and get into a bit more of a playing routine at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's going to make the actual playoffs itself a bit more interesting, especially because I think that, that home court advantage, it's really completely done. It's just a, a neutral playing field for everyone. Yeah, um, yeah, it's going to really um, change the landscape a little bit, won't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I, like, it really, when you go down to seven games, I, there's no real advantage now. Um, so it's just the yeah. best team's going to win it. Yeah, the seeding the seating advantage is taken sort of completely out of it. The only thing that will really be of advantage is the matchups between different teams um so like uh celtics versus philadelphia you know it's, it's basically level playing field um you know the celtics won't will no longer have that home court advantage which could could be big in a few different matchups 
Yeah, even if the um, even if the Mavs end up versus the Clips, that two and seven showdown, that that could be one to watch out for. If that is how the seeding um, is finalized, and that's just because, as you said, yeah, no no real home advantage at all for either team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. So, so we're going to go through some of these these games that have been played, starting from yesterday. Um, just as a sort of little asterisk off the top here, we're recording um, Sunday morning. Um, right now, the uh, the Lakers and Raptors games is, is just getting started, and the, the 76ers and Pacers game is just finished. Is just starting the third quarter. So we won't run through any of those games yet, but. We'll talk about the games that have been played um, yesterday, Saturday for us Aussies, and Friday for the American teams, um, and then the the first couple of games this morning. So um, just so we're all up to date with that. So, and I'm going to run through some of these games that don't really mean a whole lot. Orlando Magic, Brooklyn Nets. Do we really care? <laughs> I mean, uh, does the game doesn't really tell <laughs> well, us? Much, I'll sum it up so. for us now. Um, Orlando won by ten points. Cool. Yeah, cool. On. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet. The, the next game, which is one that I want to I want to talk a lot about, um, the the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Trail Blazers. Now, this this is probably of the games that I've watched so far, probably the most significant in terms of the way it's going to impact um, the playoffs and who actually is going to make the playoffs. With the Grizzlies and Trail Blazers both sort of vying for that eighth spot. And it ended up being a very important win for the Trailblazers and a pretty significant loss for the, for the Grizzlies. What are your thoughts on this game, Cal? Um, it, it was a great game, good offensive game. Um, I, I had a few takeaways. Um, ja Morant, yep. oh man, that kid can ball. He, he just keeps impressing me. I forgot how good he was, to be honest. Um, he's he's so, so fun so to athletic. watch, isn't he? Oh, his handles are pretty nasty sometimes as well. And he just gets in the paint at will. Um, so he was awesome yep. to watch. Um, he he came out with some a big third quarter as well, and, and really they actually took the lead, and it looked like they were probably going to run home with it, probably with, with ten, I think they were up by about ten points in the fourth, and the Blazers uh, just slowly and steadily just brought it back and, and took it into OT. Yeah, I remember because that game was quite early for us here in Australia in Brisbane. Um, I woke up. I think the game was started at six o'clock our time. I woke up in the morning and it was about three three quarter time, and, and I saw that the the Memphis Grizzlies were were ahead, and I sort of thought they were going to pull away w- with it. But um, Portland Trailblazers came back in that that last quarter. I also want to give a a, um, a shout out to Jaron Jackson Jr. He had a he had a very good game. He did uh, for for the um, the Memphis Grizzlies, and he's he's been a sort of a player that's been very up and down this season. He he sort of started pretty slow to begin the year, but as the year progressed, he sort of caught fire and. And I think he's actually going to be a very special player in the future. He's got that rare combination of being able to hit a lot of threes and, and block shots and, and, and actually move very quickly as a big man as well. So um, I thought he played very well in, in that one, particularly to start the game. I feel like, you know, probably as a, as a whole, the Grizzlies sort of slowed down in that last quarter there and started to miss a few shots that they were making earlier on. But um, yeah, just a shout out to Jay, uh, Triple J. I love watching him. Yeah, he's been taking big strides in his in his three point shooting. I think was the biggest step up he made this year. He's making two point six a game, um, which is very impressive. One point six blocks, as you mentioned, and um, he, yeah, he, he, you can play him at the small ball five as well. He's switchable in defense, so yep, he just doesn't definitely. really have a, any huge weakness at this point, and he, uh, it's only going to go up from here. 
I, I like the Grizzlies, like, th- uh, big man, like, they've got a three-man big man rotation between uh, Triple J, Valanciunas, and Brandon Clark. I, I like those guys getting getting a lot of minutes, and um, we'll talk about our rookies later on, but Brandon Clark is actually another rookie that really stands out to me. There was one play, I think it was the highlight, you know, alley-oop dunk to Ja Morant that, that was actually thrown by Brandon Clark, who was dribbling up the court as their, as their center. Um, which is something you don't see a lot of, you know, the center dribbling up, throwing alley to the point guard. It's um, sort of the new era of basketball that we're in at the moment, but uh, it's it's amazing to watch. Yeah, he's a really good energy player as well. He, he really gets up there, can do some real kind of highlight reel um, offensive things. So, yeah, he, he definitely yeah. will come up later on in, in that rookie um, first team, second team, whatever it may be, but he'll be in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And on the on the Trailblazer side of things, they they had a they had a really good game, a very deep game, I, I would have thought. And surprisingly, to myself at least, um, Carmelo Anthony actually looked really good. He was looking great. <laughs> Two really yeah, really he, clutch threes at the end of that game to bring it to OT. Very, yeah, very clutch threes to sort of send the game into overtime. And um, he looked confident. Like uh, I'm looking at here at his. Uh, shooting percentage, 7 from 10 from the field and, and 50% from three-point line. Hit all his free throws. Um, a surprisingly very efficient game for Camelo Anthony, starting at the small forward um, rather than the power forward this game. Yeah, that mid-range, he was um, showing, so, showing some signs of the, the younger, youthful Carmelo that we, we know so well. And, and I can just tell, looking at the, the minutes played here... For, for both teams that, that this was one of the games that was very, very important for both teams. Obviously, you know, the two teams vying out for that number eight seed. You've got Damian Lillard playing nearly 45 minutes, CJ McCallum playing 45 minutes, um, all the forwards playing close to 37 minutes for the Trailblazers. Um, a couple of 40-minute games for Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jamal Morant. So these teams were out to out to get the W, and, and it was a very, very impressive game um, for the Trailblazers to pull out the win. Do you, do you think that this solidifies the Trailblazers or puts them even more likely to, to make that eighth seed, or do you think the Grizzlies are still able to hang on? I think, well, the way the eighth seed works is um, if, if they're within a certain amount of games, the, the eight and nine actually play each other out. And yeah. if the eight seed wins, they they have to win one of two, but the the ninth seed would have to win both games. So at this point, I um I think it's it's pretty fifty fifty. If I was going to put some money on it, I'd put some money on the Trailblazers to get into that eight seed at this point. Yeah, and and I know in, in episode one this year we we all had our picks of who's going to make that eight seed, and then I didn't pick either of these teams. I actually picked the Pelicans, who we'll, we'll talk about them later. They've had a bit of a rough start, um, but I think that this is a very significant win, and I think it's it's going to tip the the scales in favor of Portland. And even if they do come up against each other in that play-in tournament. Uh, again, it'll it'll be interesting who's got the top seed, and, and I'm not exactly sure. I think they're just going to see that how they normally would in terms of like for and against regular season. Um, but I think that this will be that, that was a very significant win, and I, and I can really see the Trailblazers coming home and and just sneaking into the playoffs there now. The one thing that gave me a lot of confidence in them is just seeing um, Nurkic play because we haven't seen him play in a very long time, and there was that bit of bit of a concern just to how healthy it would be. Because he came off a pretty gruesome foot injury. Um, yeah. But he, he put up 18, 9, 5. And he, he put up a couple six steals. blocks. Six blocks, and, too. Yeah, which that's is pretty a, massive. A tied, tied his career high. And this is his first yeah, game wow. back. And it's not like getting six blocks. Like, six blocks is, is hard to do. And you have to be mobile, quick on your feet, 
um, to be able to get that. And, and even this offensively putting up those 18 points, um, you, it looks like he's, he's just as good as he was prior to the injury. So he's had all this time to rehab and rest. So, and, and that's why I think it's going to be a big boost because he's so important to that Trailblazers team. Yeah, it was it was interesting to see the the minute split between him and Hassan Whiteside with with um, Nurkic getting the bulk of the minutes there. I would have thought that perhaps that they might be a bit closer in terms of their minutes, given that Whiteside's had that sort of role the entire season, and Nurkic just had just started to come back before the season got cut short. Um, but no, it seems like with that break, Nurkic is feeling really good, and they've just given him all the minutes, and he's going to run away with it. Um, so that that was interesting to see, and and Zach Collins as well. It's been he's been putting up big numbers in terms of well, minutes, big minutes played, and he's been looking good as well. So because Collins and Nurkic are playing so well together, and they've got a bit of chemistry previously. They've the Trailblazers can afford to to leave Whiteside and and this, have him as a bench role. Yeah, well, Collins was another one of those guys who had a significant injury very early in the season. Um, so he he missed big chunks of the year. In fact, I don't I don't think he even played before the break. I think this might have been his actual first game back. Um, you might want to fact check me on that one there, but um, yeah. So it was he another one. Thirty-seven minutes for for Collins. Um, not a huge impact on the on the stat sheet, but uh, very impactful player in terms of his ability to move and defend, um, but also be a threat from the outside. So I think he's uh, actually quite an underrated player, and I think we'll see a lot from Zach Collins if if the team does make the playoffs there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to move on to the next game, um, another one of those very exciting games, the Phoenix Suns versus the Wizards. Um, Calum, do you want to sum that one up for us? Um, Phoenix Suns and the Wizards, well, um, the Suns were 125 and the Wizards were 112, so the Suns took the win. <laughs> All right, um, cool, that's a good wrap up, let's, <laughs> let's move on from there. Oh, these games are... Uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll say um, DeAndre either. Aiden looked pretty good and, and Booker was getting his, his usual buckets, so... Um, Yep, yep, and and as normal, the the Washington Wizards looked pretty pretty awful. They they did have a few young guys who who looked alright. Rui Hachimura did did look decent. Um, so shout out to him for being a young player. Yeah, well, I think he's got a good um, future. So I've got a bit of stock in Rui. Yeah, he's he, he's not too bad. I I think I think he'll be alright. I don't know about him being like a an all star level type player, no, but I don't think I so. think he'll be a good 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 rotation player for for many years to come. All right, so moving on to now the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. My uh, Boston Celtics. Um, a bit of a disappointing loss for the Celts here. It was a close game the whole way. Um, I, I watched the entire game, this one. Um, yeah, and so a did few I. Questions. I did watch all of this one. It was a good game, uh, a lot a few, of back and forth. It was a good game. Uh, a very disappointing game for your uh, top 15 player, Jason Tatum, um, who had a very rough night from the field. Um, <laughs> You're making me eat my words a bit. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't. I, I was hoping that you would going to light a fire on him and he'd, he'd have a good run. But two of 18, 11%. One of those buckets was a layup. He only had one jump shot that he made the entire game, um, coming out with a bit of rust on his first game yeah, back. He, he did not look good. He had a team worst, minus 13, while he was on the court as well. So not yeah. great signs. I'm, I'm um, sure he'll be able to um, bring it back. But he, he look, look I'm, he's a big reason they lost that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting too much stock into it, and I'm not too worried, um, considering the fact that Tatum played as poorly as we did, as he did, and the Celts only lost by seven points in the end, um, and it was neck and neck until that last minute there. Um, I, I'm not too concerned. Um, another big takeaway that I had was um, just seeing Marcus Smart 
out there playing defense, being able to switch onto Giannis and Senator Kumpo in some possessions, getting some um, some steals off some other guards and things like that. I think he performed really well and was probably the Celtics' best player that game. He, he definitely was, and, and that was just because um, not only his defense, but his offense was, was clicking this game. We know he's a bit of a, a heat-check player in terms of offense, but he was 7 from 11 this game. I think that was a, a stretch where he hit two pretty big threes um, back-to-back. So he, well, he shot, 50, shot 50% from the three-point line this game, and, and I know we brought up that big stat in our first episode that he's a, he's a legitimate threat from the outside this season. Yeah, look, 1st of January, he put up 11 threes in one game. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to guard that man now. He used to be a liability from out there, but he's looking good these days. Yeah. Um, and, and as you said, yeah. you put Marcus Smart on, on Giannis. I think he, he can do that job in the post because Giannis usually wants to back people down and and Marcus can hold his ground pretty well, um, but obviously the, the length of Giannis is, um, is is you know freakish, absolutely freakish athlete. So I don't I don't really yeah. think the one takeaway I I took was probably more more negative for the Celtics because they really just don't have an answer for Giannis. He pretty effort, um, effortlessly put up thirty six, fifteen, and seven. Um, and and yeah. he shot fourteen of twenty from the field. So very very efficient night, and Celtics had no answer. Yeah, it, it was it was concerning, and, and as a Celtics fan, they're probably the the biggest matchup nightmare for us. I think I, I, I agree with you. We don't we don't have an answer for Giannis, and and like you said, I think the key word there was effortlessly. He he really didn't look like he got out of second gear that game, and it, it looked like you know I think in the last minute he sort of turned on the Jets and and won the game for him at the end there. Um, but the first three quarters, he looked like he was cruising, and and yet still look at his stat line: thirty six points, fifteen rebounds, seven assists, a steal, a block, seven. 70% shooting like he just cruising yeah, and just, just in 32 numbers. minutes as well <laughs> yeah he, he was coasting and and yet still dominated us so a bit of a concern there um the other thing of note is that we didn't have any eric bledsoe um who was out because i think he was late to join the team in the bubble um and also kemba walker was managed in terms of his minutes so only playing 19 minutes there um but still put up 16 points which was um and, and an efficient 16 points at that so um, still a few things to play out there in terms of the, the matchups um, and, and key players missing a bit of time. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. And, and perhaps, you know, who knows, we might see these teams versus each other in the playoffs. Yeah, I'll just do a quick shout out to um, Brooke Lopez as well. Put up six blocks. So um, played really well in that defensive end. And he's been playing like that all year. So. Yeah, he's, he's um, racking up those blocks back there. And, and a, a key part of that, that uh, Milwaukee um, uh, stringent defense all right, moving on, we're going to the Sacramento Kings and Spurs game. We can touch on these guys a little bit because these are two teams that are fighting for that eight spot. Um, none of us picked either of these teams to make the eight, but um, there was some funny rotations that you were saying for the Spurs that you saw. Yeah, I had a few takeaways from this game. For the Spurs, um, it was good to see them really kind of go all in on their youth movement. And and when I say that, obviously you have LaMarcus Aldridge who's gotten some surgery so he, he's out at the bubble so they, they had a nice lineup of Yucca Pirtle with kind of pretty much four guards and they're really yeah, playing a bit DeMar. of a small ball lineup yeah it? definitely a small ball lineup because I mean Yucca Pirtle he, he's pretty mobile as well you can move and they pretty much had DeMar at the the power forward position and then with the the three guards of Derek White Murray and um, Lonnie Walker, yeah. and, and I'm really good. I'm glad to see Lonnie Walker finally get some minutes because I've always had a bit of stock in Lonnie, and I think he <laughs> he can be a good player in this league. I think he can be a good scorer. So I'm I'm actually think, intrigued I, I, to see how these guys really perform in this um in these eight games. 
Yeah, it is interesting to see, and especially how they're going to go without Lamarcus Aldridge, who I would say is their best player. Um, but yeah, I think Lonnie Walker. We'll see how he goes. I, I, he obviously played good in this game, and uh, I, I see him as a bit of a heat check kind of player, someone who can rack up some points pretty quickly. But I, I can also see him going missing. Um, you know, just he's as crazy athletic. He had one big dunk. So go watch, go yeah. check that out, listeners. Check out the highlights. Yeah. yeah. Um, one player I want to highlight for the Spurs, who I've had some stock in for for a little while, is is Derek White. Uh, I think I think Derek White is, um, and and also the the combo of Derek White and Dejounte Murray, um, as someone who had a bit of fantasy stock in Derek White during the, the last season, um, I was I was frustrated that the Spurs never seemed to play DeJounte Murray and Derek White together. And in this game, they seem to have done that a bit more. And I think that the, the combo can work together. The, the obvious um, sort of concern is the lack of shooting. Both aren't prolific shooters. But, but I think Derek White is a serviceable outside um, sh- shooter. And in this game, you know, he's, he's, he's hit four threes. Um, and it's something that I think that his, he doesn't get as much credit um, that he deserves, uh, and also an incredibly good defensive guard as well. So I think we'll we'll be hearing a lot of Derek White in, in the coming years, and, yeah. and even in these few games. And not only did he hit four threes, but he actually attempted nine, and I think that's a positive sign as well. Because I mean, you have to fact check me, but I'd um, I'd be pretty pretty confident saying that could be his career high in um, ten in, uh, three point it, it, attempts. It well could be. I don't think he. I don't think um, Pop gives him the green light from there too often. But um, that that shows me a lot of confidence in in his three point shot. And, and on the um, defensive end, he picked up five charges in that game. And, yeah, right. Uh, Did he really? That, that is okay. very rare. I don't know how many people have done five charges in a game, but I'm, I'm sure the list is pretty few. So uh, very impressive. Yeah, that, that is impressive. I've I've always liked him on, on the defensive end, and I think he's a bit underrated. Um, on, on the Sacramento Kings side, Darren Fox with 39 points was a had a big game, and my boy uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich also um, had had a big game. He's another one of those kind of guys that I think gets a bit of a bad rap, uh, and and I'm actually a big fan of Bogdan. Um, he can go missing at times, but um, I, I think he's definitely one of the Kings' best players, um, and I think he showed it in this game. Um, He's got to be the second yeah. best player, surely. Yeah, I, I think so. Well, you, you've got other other players who who didn't play. So obviously, I don't, I'm not sure what was going on with Buddy Heald, but he he had only sort of 19 minutes. But during the season, they did move Heald to the bench um, in the regular season. So I'm not sure if that's just what they're sticking with at the moment, or if he was uh, getting his minutes managed. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a bit worried about Buddy because they gave him that big extension earlier in the season which hasn't even kicked in yet and it's over 20 million a year and pretty much just after they did that is when they moved him to a bench role and now he's really yeah. just been stinking he was um a team worst oh no he, he was minus 13 which wasn't the team worst but harrison barnes was but um oh, not, not a positive sign Harris especially Bar- when that contract hasn't even kicked in yet yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I forgot about that big contract. He's he he might you know depending on which way he goes. I still think he can be a good player, um, but you know depending on how he goes, that contract could end up looking pretty bad. Yeah, it really uh, just comes other, down to Bagdanovich is a, a better player, and yeah. Buddy can hit a three, and I guess that's where the league's going. So he should be tradable, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do decide to let him go in the future. He'll he'll always have value, so that's that's a good point there. The other noticeable absent. Player was uh, Marvin Bagley didn't play that game. So, and against those Spurs, I think 
I think that was a noticeable loss. I think, you know, if, say, he was playing that game, I think against a small Spurs lineup, he could have had a big impact. Um, so I think that definitely hurt the Kings there because um, I think they really miss his size. Uh, Bielitsa was their starting power forward, but I don't, I don't see him as that physical kind of big man presence that could take advantage of a, of a small ball Spurs lineup there. So yeah. I reckon they missed, missed his um, size in there. And this, this quickly on De'Aaron Fox. Oh, man, I love that kid. He can play 39 points in this one. and, and He's exciting to watch, isn't he? He is. He is really exciting and to I've, watch. He, he put up um, 20 field goals inside the restricted area and, and shot yeah. it efficiently. And when you when you look at 20 field goals inside there, I mean, that's numbers like he's up there with Giannis and, and um, kind of like prime Westbrook um, a few years ago. So yeah. it's pretty hard to just get... He gets to the paint at will. And, and if, yeah. if you're going to pick a player um, like in transition, I mean, I, I dare you to to say three players better than De'Aaron in the open court. He is an absolute beast. I'll give, I'll give you an on-the-spot question here. If, if you were to pick a point guard to start your franchise, who would you rather, De'Aaron Fox or um, Ja Morant? Oh, man, that's hard. They're, they're similar players. I'd probably go with Ja. I think Ja's got a brighter upside. Um, yeah, but I, I he's think just I'm, a bit more crafty, and I think his IQ um, potential is think, just a bit higher. I, th- I think I'm gonna I'm gonna side with him there as well. I think I, th- I think and no disrespect for G- uh, Darren Fox. I think he's got the athleticism. The athleticism can be on par, but I think John Morant's probably got a bit more upside in terms of the like shooting game, and I think he's just shown a bit more earlier in his career. But I wouldn't be surprised if if um, Darren Fox ended up being the better player. Um, but two two similar sort of kind of players that you can compare to. Okay, um, moving on to the last game of yesterday, which was another exciting final uh, uh, double o, uh, sorry single OT game. Um, the Houston Rockets and the Dallas Mavericks. Lot to take away from this game, Cal. A lot of points. One fifty three, one forty nine. Lots of points. Yeah, and and uh, did you did you see how this game sort of went to overtime? It was a pretty crazy finish. I did. I actually I actually watched this whole game, so it was um it was an oh, interesting one nice. to watch and very dramatic yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was very surprised when, uh, well, obviously uh, when Covington managed to out rebound all of Dallas Mavericks to get that tip into force OT. You know, we, we talk about them going really small, not having a true center on the, in their lineup, and yet it's an offensive rebound that pushes the game into overtime. Yeah, I, I'll break down maybe the last um, that last play. So the the Rockets were down by three, and they run up a play just to give it to James and. Obviously, James is one of the smarter players in the league. He literally, um, it was it was a pretty fifty fifty call. It, um, he gets fouled. Yeah, he, he gets fouled, but he pretty much looks like he's going into his shooting motion, like as he's catching it. So he, no, he yeah. almost got the three um, three throws, but um, the officials just decided to just do it as a regular foul and, and put him on the line just for two. And in, in my opinion, I, I'm pretty sure he was going for that second three throw. It didn't look like he was trying to miss it intentionally. But um, and I mean James Harden's very very efficient from the three throw line. Uh, he misses it, and somehow Covington comes up with a, a tip in. So absolute crazy play, and they tied to to go to overtime. Yeah, it's always hard to tell whether someone's going to miss that on purpose. I mean, if if I'm ever going to give it someone the benefit of the doubt, it probably would be James Harden. So I could believe that he he meant to miss that one on purpose. Um, I don't really remember how much time was left on the clock, but um, to go back to that that foul on the on the shot attempt there, 
I don't know if that's just a James Harden thing that he gets a bit of flack because he's sort of got the reputation that he always plays for the three, but but I, I think he was I think he was shooting at the time, and I, and I think he should have got the three free throws personally. Um, I, I thought the same. Yeah, but but I feel I feel as though the the Mavericks sort of lost this game more so than the Houston Rockets won Absolutely. the game. I, I thought they were in control for pretty much this entire game. They were consistently up. And they they just looked like the better team. Like the the Rockets just you know kept coming back, hitting timely threes to, I guess, keep them in the game. But the Dallas really were in control. They didn't really have an answer for Kristaps Porzingis at all. Um, yeah, Kristaps dominated with his size there. Sixteen rebounds from Kristaps is huge from him. And I, and again, we we might need to fact check that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's his career high in rebounds. <laughs> It'd be close to it, I'm sure. And um, a big thirty nine yeah. points from fifty percent from the field as well. And and, and he takes threes. He hit um, three of eight from from three point range as well. So efficient night, yeah, and, and and what you so expect I think, uh, from um, going against a small yeah. ball lineup. Yeah, I, I think I think Chris Ups did what he needed to do in that game. Um, like he he was aggressive, um, shot shot twenty six shots. You know, uh, Luca only shot one more, so second highest in the team, which is how they normally would play. Um, but sometimes you can see Porzingis go a bit um, tentative and and sort of defer and lean on Doncic a bit more. So it was good to see him step up and be be assertive in that matchup, which definitely favoured him. And and just a shout out to Jermaine, our, our co-host, who's, who who can't be here, but. I think Luka Doncic with that game just sort of answered our sort of ranking of him as a top 10 player in the NBA and, and sort of helped me feel a little bit better that we, we, we both had him that high, Cal. Yeah. And he, he, I mean, look, triple-double last night, 28, 13, and 10. Um, good stat line. He, um, I feel like he probably eased off a bit in the, in the fourth quarter. Like, he, he really dominated the first three. Um, yeah. So maybe he did gas out. It was their first game back. But, um, look, I have complete confidence yeah. in him. I think he's an absolute baller. His percentages were pretty poor, only one for nine from the three. And um, he, he, he is one of those players who I, I can never wrap his head around. Is he a good free throw shooter or a bad free throw shooter? He'll have games where he goes like 18 of 20 from the line, and then he'll have games where he goes five from 10. Um, and, and well, he went five. five from nine in that game yesterday. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's, a, he's a tricky one to figure out with his free throws. And, and I can't help but think that he's going to figure it out at some point but yeah it could be a bit of fatigue being the first game back um played 42 minutes as well so uh, i know it was an overtime game but that's quite quite high in terms of the minute side of things yeah. um but so and we haven't touched on russell westbrook as well who um what did he have near, near triple double a couple of steals and a block there played played, played pretty well um had a big three at the end of the towards the end of the fourth quarter there which sort of kept them close in the game um how did he look? I honestly, I love Westbrook on this team so much. The team is just made for him. He just, he's always in attack mode, just getting to the rim, get to the rim is his mentality. And um, I feel like all he has to do is just really take three, three pointers a game just to be, and that's what he did. He it was one of three and that's all he has to do on this Rockets team. Let the other shooters hit those threes and he just needs to be relentless in attacking the rim. And, and he, he was 31, 11 and eight. Um, and I can see him putting up, dropping 30 uh, on a nightly basis, like, like he has the past few months before the uh the break happened yeah definitely definitely i, th- I think um just before we move on to the to the, the next day i think i think both of these teams are uh, a bit of a threat in the west particularly um 
it, the fact that there is no home court, both of them are sort of sitting below that that fourth seed. So with the home court advantage being taken out, I think both these teams are a massive threat. And I wouldn't, if I was the Clippers or the Lakers or anyone at the top there, I wouldn't really want to verse either of these teams in that first round. Definitely not. I would not be surprised at all if we get some kind of upset in that um, two versus seven or three versus six matchup. Yeah, I, I would do sure. a big shout out as well for Trey Burke. Okay, one of the games of his life. In that game, he played 30 minutes, dropped 31 points, and um, he, he hit eight threes, eight from 10. And there was a couple of plays where he was just like dribble, dribble, crossover, step back three. It was um, <laughs> he was just playing like I've never seen him play before. So I doubt he'll, it was he'll a bit be of... able to maintain that. But uh, look, worth a shout out. What we'll, yeah. we'll played, Trey Burke. Yeah, on your Trey Burke. I think that'll be one of the few shout outs that Trey Burke will have on this podcast. <laughs> Um, now I've just realised that I've skipped the actual first couple games that we had on the Thursday Come and, on, and it's Clippers we'll talk Lakers. about these ones let's, let's talk Clippers oh, no, Lakers that's what everyone's I, been I can't waiting I to listen to yeah well I'm just building suspense <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll start with Clippers Lakers and I'll talk about the Pelicans later because I've got a bit of a, a Zion rant that I've got to go through but the Clippers Lakers two, two point win for the Lakers uh, very exciting finish again um, and I think uh, again going back to our top top 15 list um both Jermaine and I had LeBron at number one. I think I still feel pretty good with that decision after watching this game. Um, really? Because one... I'm, I'm still... Look, I had Kawhi at my number one, and I'm feeling confident yeah. about that decision as well. So. Fair enough. The one, the one thing that, that, that helped me solidify my decision was, and the biggest takeaway I've come from this game, was the defense played by LeBron James in particular. Uh, I think he looked really energized and highlighted on that last play where he was defending I think it was he was defending Kawhi Leonard there was a pick and roll um, swapped onto Paul George um, and locked them down basically prevented them from getting a good look to to um, tie the game or, or, or go for the win um, so I think his defense was a big highlight and if he is turning that on because I know in the regular season he's sort of coasts a little bit and, and cruises a bit more um, compared to playoff LeBron. Um, if he's locked and loaded on the defensive end, I think they're going to be really hard to beat. Yeah, I agree. There, there, there was a good highlight by him at the end. Um, yeah, locking down, as you said, Kawhi and then Paul George. And and um, obviously the Lakers end up winning that game by two. But look, overall, his game in LeBron's standards was pretty shocking. Um, good defensive it, it, game, but like offensively, yeah. uh, he was six from 19 from the field, which is you know 32 percent or so and he got seven assists with five turnovers so he honestly didn't look great um i'm one of the i guess a positive you can say is even with lebron playing badly they still come up with the win um so that's one way of looking that's, at it and I, I wouldn't that's expect true. lebron to put up numbers like that in in the playoffs we, we know what he brings yeah to and, the table. and that's and that's why i'm not concerned i think i think you know it was the first game back um after nearly a five-month layoff uh, and, that, and that's why i'm not really worried about you know if anything is going to be poor it's going to be your, your shooting percentages and, and and things like that particularly going up against a, such a stellar defensive team like the clippers um I, i'm not too concerned about lebron's shooting percentages i think he'll get better uh, as with the few games that they have to warm up um so not really too concerned about lebron there and uh, anthony davis put up some good numbers he i mean when they verse the clippers you, you really have to expect that anthony davis puts up a big start line because that, that's probably the golden ticket to beating the clips from that angle because they really don't have any rim protection or any any huge bodies or reliable bodies to throw on them. I know they have Zubach and they have they, they brought Noah who might play a dozen minutes or so to guard him each game. But yeah, well, they Mont- didn't have Montrez. Montrez. They got Montrez yeah. who's he's more of a hustle energy player 
and I'm not too sure how well he will really be able to stop AD um, on the offensive end. Yeah, well, he, I think I think he's the kind of player that will get in front of Anthony Davis and irritate him, maybe take a couple of charges. But like like you said, probably no one who could lock Anthony Davis down. Not that there is many players that can do that anyway. Um, but yeah, I think I think we'll sort of see how we go. Um, he he did hit two two threes, which was really good to see. Um, not someone who who actually takes or, or makes a lot of threes. He's he's very solid in that like long mid range game, but rarely does he actually extend out to the three point line. So I think that was pretty significant. And and if he can knock down a couple of threes each game and be a threat from out there, um, that'll be big for the big for the Lakers. Yeah, I think it's important for him to, to just attempt three or four a game and, and hopefully get one or two in the bag. And um, just we've had a Trey Burke shout out. I'm going to give a shout out to Dion Waiters, who's um, who's bringing bringing back Waiters Island. Um, he he actually looked all right, 50 percent field, um, field goal percentage for for Dion, and, and actually looked like he was reined in a little bit on this Lakers team. I think that was one of my takeaways as well. I think he could actually be really important to this team, and and because I feel like he he's also got a big enough body where he you can put him into like a switchable um, defensive lineup too. And he, he can hit the three. He can actually get himself a bucket, which, um, I mean, outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, there's not many people in this team who can go out there and, and really get a bucket themselves. I guess you got Kuzma, but um, I, we can get the Kuzma next. But um, I, I think he could be a very important pass, um, part to this championship run. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I look at this Laker team and they've got they've got a lot of players who have had questionable um, stints in the NBA in recent memory. You know, players like Dion Waiters, um, Dwight Howard even. You've got your Rajon Rondos, J.R. Smiths, um, Markeith Morris is on this team. Um, a lot of players who have been a bit disruptive in the locker room and a bit sort of, um, how should we say this, sort of, trigger happy with their shots um and it's interesting to see them all sort of mesh together and play um selflessly um if i could say that um so i'm just wondering if that can keep up and if for example if they you know are down a couple games in a playoff series whether or not the screws start to come loose and it's a bit more every man for themselves so just interesting to see how lebron and anthony davis keep these guys in line and um how it's going to go in the playoffs when the the heat's turned up yeah absolutely and um, oh look, I think Kuzma played well. He put up 16 points off the bench, and, and I think he slid into the role that the Lakers need him in. They, they need him to be a bit of a role player and and get timely buckets, and that's exactly what he did that yeah. game. And he, he was one of the yeah, reasons that, that they they did get the W. Yeah, he's a he's very, he's a very important piece to that team. I think like being that sixth man off the bench, you know, comes in, plays 32 minutes, 16 points. Like that's exactly what they need need from him. He needs to be a threat from the outside, hitting his four threes. So I think he played that role perfectly that that game. Definitely. Um, on the on the Clippers side of things, and this is why I still think for myself um, that the Clippers are the favourites to take the championship out. They they were missing a few key key players here. Uh, obviously, uh, Patrick Beverly played, but only played 16 minutes. Uh, I think he was a late inclusion to that game, and they were obviously missing uh, Lou Williams and Montrezl Howell, um, who are key components to that team coming off the bench. You know, they're probably um, spoiler alert, but. One and one, one A, one B in terms of the um, six man of the year award, um, and I think with the inclusion of those guys back in, I, I feel as though this that would be enough to swing this game um, by the two points that the Lakers ended up squeezing by. So, um, but I still think it'll be a great matchup to watch out for in the playoffs, and I, I really hope that that's the uh, Western Conference Finals that we get. Yeah, look, Trezen and Lou, that's thirty six points they had to come up with from from other players. And yep. to, to go down by two, 
Um, I think it's understandable really to get the loss, especially when um, you're not really playing your stars big minutes either. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of Paul George and Kawhi, there, man, <laughs> they were looking good. Paul George is looking healthy. <laughs> Um, which yeah, is great and, to and see. I think the game, the game today, um, just to piggyback off the, the Clippers, um, Paul George looked amazing. I think he, he was splashing threes from everywhere today. So they look like they have a Mr. B and, and sort of right exactly where you want them to be. So um, they're just going to keep doing what they do. So um, Yeah, and yeah, Kawhi look, Leonard, my, my number one um, player, if you <laughs> tuned into our podcast last episode, <laughs> but um, yeah. 20, 28 points, um, only attempted 16 field goals. So... Um, and efficient. efficient as always exactly again we went to the three throw line 13 times it's just like he, he was a team best plus 16 with him yeah. and, and look they go down by two I understand that but if he's a plus 16 and he's going up against the starters and usually in the playoffs look we're going to see Lou and Trez come in to really carry that bench I um yeah it definitely could be a bit worrying for the Lakers they're going to be tough to beat, man. When they're all firing, I think they're going to be really tough to beat. So yeah. they, they were my picks to win it all, like before the season, and I'm I'm sticking to it. They're looking great. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that can really change your mind there. Um, all right, let's get onto these Pelicans because um, I've got a few things to talk about here. Um, first of all, let's just start straight with it. Zion Williamson played 15 minutes today. Uh, sorry, on um, our Friday, their Thursday, and today I think he what did he play? Um, relatively the same again as well um, playing in basically three minute stints in every quarter uh, even less today actually he played 14 minutes um, I'm not <laughs> how's that really, make you feel how's that make you yeah, feel I'm not really sure what the Pelicans are doing they haven't come out and said that he's got an injury basically what I can um, gather from the research that I've done is that his conditioning has been poor which and I'm, I'm not sure if that's you know um the fact that it's the team's decision to do that, the coach's decision, the medical staff, or Zion's just been playing too much cod on in isolation and, and not getting up and down and, and training. I'm not sure what's going on there, but this just doesn't make sense to me. And, and I don't know what the, what is going on with this with this team and how they're handling it. What, what are your thoughts with the Zion situation? I mean, I want to see him out there. I think offensively he brings so much to the table just because... You, you can't stop that man. He's just so big. It, it's so hard to guard him. Some of the things, it just kind of jumps into you, and he has so much he's weight. So, he's and so it, big, but he also has such good body control as well. He like he'll he'll make these ridiculous circus kind of shots, and and it, you just you, you don't think that a man of that size can be that agile and that you know um, able to make those kind of shots. Yeah. yeah, he's so big. He kind of jumps into your body, so you get pushed back because just of the sheer force. And because his vertical jump is so high, he just jumps up and you can't really contest it. And as you said, he's so good in the air, quite acrobatic, and he's so good with his left hand. Um, it doesn't even matter that he doesn't have a right hand because he gets that shot off every single time. So, I mean, look, offensively, I want to see him on the court. It was disappointing that just have 15 minutes. Well, one of the knocks against him, which I guess a lot of the media are saying is, yeah, look, he was a team worst minus 16. Um, I understand that. I'm not but gonna like, f- yeah. look, he put, uh, up, he put like up zero that's... rebounds as well. I mean... You yeah, need to be hitting poor. the boards. You need to be hitting the boards. Yeah. No real defensive kind of plays when he was on, on the court. So yeah, His defense I... was very lacking. Um, he, he looked um, sort of like he was in second gear the whole game. I even like he was you know, getting spun around when he was guarding players on pick and rolls and things like that. Um, but, but my thinking is, you know, there's eight games left in the regular season. If you're the Pelicans, you're 
what are you, four, three or four, four games out of the playoffs now. Um, you've come up against the Utah Jazz, who you lost by two points to. This is, this is a crucial game. You've, you've got to win this game, and especially with the Grizzlies going down um, to the Trailblazers. I know that game was after this, but you've, you've, got, to, you've got to come out guns blazing. And, and even just if, okay, say he's got a 15-minute time limit. Why are you playing him in the first three minutes of every quarter? Why not save him for crunch time? Why not put him in in some better time? Or, or even just play him six-minute stints uh, rather than three minutes where he's got no real time to get any momentum, get any rhythm going. I mean, I, just, I, don't, I don't see the logic here, and, and I don't really understand what they're trying to do. I mean, dude, 15 minutes, it, it's fuck all. Like, it pissed me off. Like, at least put him in for like... 20 minutes a game like huh. yeah like what like what what the heck is going like it's been five months it's not like we were surprised that oh crap the nba's back like shit let's get everyone on the court and, and get training like we've known for so long when the season's going to start up again like surely someone a, a train or someone for the pelicans to be like hey you know zion you should fucking hit the gym and start running you know like like why is this guy so out of shape that he can only play 15 minutes when he's the franchise player and you're fighting for a playoff spot it just it really doesn't make sense to me and the only thing i can think of is there's some kind of injury going on that they're just not telling us but um, I don't know why they wouldn't say anything about an injury um, yeah it just seems really fishy to me uh, I think there's something in the background going on and it's really just um, it's probably someone in the head of management who's decided that you know he's, he's our long term he's going to be our, our ticket to potentially an NBA finals and being realistic are the Pelicans going to win this year no if, if they get into the eight seed, would it be good experience for their young players? Yeah. Um, oh, 100%. And it could be beneficial m- moving forward. But I think there's probably someone in, in the back there just whispering into someone else's ear to say, hey, look, let's keep this guy on a minutes cap, 15 minutes. I, I don't want any injury to occur because he's there's so much invested in this player. Like, he, he, he played less minutes in his first game and second game um, in the return than he did on his debut after coming off that meniscus injury. Um, so if someone can tell me what the go is there, I'm all ears because I just can't figure it out. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll move on uh, to the rest of the, the game. I, I, I think, and, and at the episode one that we had this year, I picked the Pelicans to make the eighth here. I still think they can do it. We highlighted their schedule and in terms of the teams that they're going to face, these first two games were the only two teams that they're going to verse who are plus 500 teams. Um, I just really thought that if they could win one of these two games, then they'd be in a really good position. Uh, I thought the Jazz were going to do it. Like They were up I think they were up at, by about 10 or so at, at three-quarter time, and I thought they were going to get there. But um, I feel as though they just sort of threw the game away there. And um, also to speak about Brandon Ingram, I saw a stat the other day that this season, I think he's 1-15 one in, one in, in, in shots in the last five minutes when the game's close. Um, so still a young player. He's, he's um, been very improved this year and, and a, a reliable uh, scoring threat. But... Just that next level for his game, I think, is just got to be um, making those big shots in, in the um, the closing moments of the game and uh, being able to rely upon on that part of the game. Yeah, I agree. I feel like you need Zion to be that animal throughout you know the first three quarters and really intimidate and and put up points. And in terms of if you need a bucket, you know, in the clutch in the last minute, I think that has to be Brandon Ingram, and that's just because he's so long and can get a shot off um, really on anyone. And in, in his defense, that shot that three-point shot attempt that he did go for to win the game 
Um, that was in and out. It actually, I actually thought it was going in. It looked like a pretty good shot. Soon. It was, it, it was a heartbreaker, wasn't it? Like it I was. was, yeah, I was, I was quietly going for the Pelicans. I, <laughs> I wanted them to get over the top because I really want to see them in the playoffs first in the Lakers. But yeah, it was a bit of a heartbreaker. And um, today against the Clippers, they they really didn't look competitive at all from the first quarter. They sort of got blown out of the water, um, which I guess up against the championship team the Clippers are is understandable. But just sort of highlights to me that you know they they may struggle to get into that, that eighth spot, especially if the Trailblazers are playing well. Yeah, look, if I had money on the uh, New Orleans, I'd actually be a bit worried at this point. I, um, I think the yeah. Trailblazers probably, that's who I put money, my money on right now. I think they're the safest bet. And as you yeah. know, I, I went for the Grizzlies at, um, on our original podcast, but I, um, those Trailblazers look good, man. They look scary. Yeah, my, my confidence has been shaken so far uh, on those teams. Okay, um, all right, we're going to move on here. Now, we've been talking for a fair while here, uh, Cal, but we're going to move on here, and, and um, this may be a long, long pod, but we'll, we'll go through uh, being the last sort of week that we got um, on our regular season. We're going to go through our picks for the awards. Um, so, now, we're going to go through the all-rookie teams, the defensive teams, the all-NBA teams, and all the major awards. Um, we won't sort of be talking about bloody executives and things like that um so to kick it off we're going to talk about the all rookie teams um now before we get started to this just your overall thoughts on the rookies this year um personally i was a bit underwhelmed there was a few few standout rookies like Jar Morant and zion um and a few guys that i think can be impactful players but outside of that i don't really see too many franchise type sort of players here i still think there's a lot of good role players i think overall it's, it's a good draft and, um, I mean, look, uh, underwhelming, oh, I wouldn't go that far. Obviously, it's been underwhelming just to see the amount of minutes that Zion's played because we want to see him out there every night. But in terms of, like, superstar talent, we, we both obviously agree Zion has that. And I'm completely sold on Ja Morant. I think he is a, can be an absolute superstar in this league as well. So you got two superstar players, which, look, in, in an average draft, I think is probably better than, than you know, what you usually get out of. Um, yeah, you know, I, I suppose that's a fair point. I suppose and, it's a fair point. Probably, probably pretty top heavy, I'd say. Yeah, um, and and you got you got some you got I think you got some good role players there. So we can get into the the rookie lineups and we'll mention a yeah, few. Yeah. So names. who's who's? Let's just go through our our first all rookie team and then we can sort of highlight some some guys who are on the second team that just missed the cut. Who's who's in your first team? So obviously you got Jar and Zion. Um, I then I had a Kendrick Nunn who's been he's been balling really well all year for the Heat. Um, Definitely. He's a smaller player. He's a bit of a bit of an older player. Um, more of a senior in terms of when he got drafted coming out of college. But he seems to be a good bucket getter. He's got a good floater game. He um, knows how to read a screen well and, and can get into the paint. So um, I saw some positive signs out of him. I then had yep. RJ Barrett in the in the small forward position. Yeah, okay. Um, who, look, to, to be honest, <laughs> I mean, ugh, that New York Knicks team is pretty pretty bad. And they played him a lot of minutes. So they were really just getting him some reps. Um, some of it wasn't very positive, and you, you could get some positive takeaways. Um, I put him in the first team just because I still think it's a bit of... I think it could go either way in terms of his career. But look, in terms of just putting up all the numbers that he did in, in terms of minutes played, I think it should help him in the long run, and I put him in my first team. And the fifth position uh, in the center, I actually put uh, Brandon Clark um, as, the, yeah. as the center because I think he has been a great energy player, and he's actually contributed to winning basketball. As we know right now, the, the Grizzlies are in that eighth seed, and he, he's a big part of that coming off the bench, and he, he can drop 20 you know, every, every second night, he, and, he's, and he's a good energy player as well, really can 
um, spark your team up just for some big alleys, big highlight reel kind of um, kind of plays. I, I really like that Brennan Clark pick. I've got I've got him in my first team as well. I think he's probably one of the um, my my biggest uh, takeaways from this rookie class. Uh, I think he's a very versatile kind of player. Uh, I'm sort of thinking like an athletic, more athletic version of a. Um, uh, like a Draymond Green sort of type, um, maybe maybe not as quite as good of a, a passer as, as Draymond, but he's got those defensive capabilities, able to switch out on guards and um, and, and very athletic sort of player. Um, I I actually had RJ Barrett in my second team, um, and I had I had Tyler Hero in my first team over uh, RJ Barrett. I just yeah, thought see, of, I thought, actually considered that. I did that originally, and I just thought that the amount of minutes RJ's played comp- compared to Tyler. Um, I just kind of gave it to RJ because Tyler's had a, a much smaller role. Even though he's been contributing to winning basketball and he's been looking great, um, I just think the whole package, I went with RJ. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because that's the reason why I went RJ in the second team and Tyler in the in the first team because <laughs> I think that I think that RJ had more opportunity and did less with it. And I think Tyler was you know playing on a, a team that actually is competing for a championship and, and actually had an impact on that team in, in, in more limited minutes. So I, I, I feel as though that's something that... I would reward more so than than RJ sort of I don't want to call it junk time minutes, but it's just sort of like racking up a lot of stats just through sheer opportunity. So, and and I'm a bit concerned about RJ. I, I, I'm not sure where his career is going to go. I think he has some raw potential, but in terms of how he plays the game and his you know decision making and and shot making ability, I'm, I'm not sure if it's there. Um, you know the the Knicks love him because he's a tough guy and he sort of plays hard. But I, I, in terms of his his ability to be a, like impact player in this type of NBA, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be there. But time will tell. Um, I'll, I'll quickly move on from there. Let's let's head on to our our, our all defensive teams. Now I actually found this one actually, probably before the we hardest. do that. I might I might just do a quick yeah. shout out to the the second yep. rookie team I did. I, I Kobe White, Tyler Hero, Matisse Thybulle. Rui and Eric Pascal. So shout out to them. They they play well yeah, this year. Matisse Thibel is a good pick. Actually, I, I I'm looking at my list now, and I wish I put him in there. Now that you mention it, um, but but I, I um I also had I forget who you said I, I had PJ Washington in there as well um, from the Charlotte Hornets. I think he was a he was a good young rookie, and um, yeah. But I think yeah, Thibel is a good good pick there. Um, can't fault that one. Um, so moving on to our defensive teams now like I was saying I, was, I found this one the hardest of all of our awards to pick um, it's probably one of the less clear cut things in terms of sometimes you look at someone's steals and blocks numbers it doesn't really tell the whole story um, so I found this one the one that I need to do the most research on um, but I'll start with my first team all defense so we've got two guards two forwards in a center so I had at the guard positions, um, I had Ben Simmons, and I also had Marcus Smart as my two guards. They were my two guards had, as well. So. Oh, we're we're <laughs> in <going>. sync there. <laughs> I, had, I also had Giannis and Anthony Davis as my two forwards, and then big Rudy Gobert as my center. Oh, look at that. I'm mirrored. That's exactly what I had. So great exactly the same? Yeah. There you go. I, was, I was, wasn't sure if, if Marcus Smart was going to be a hot take there, but I, I, I just love his ability to switch on to bigger players. And, and if you look at the team, statistics the Celtics are one of the top teams in the NBA in terms of their defensive rating um, and I think he's so a big I, part of that and that's because he can literally guard one through five I mean yeah. granted obviously he can't guard all fives but in some lineups he can he can guard one through five so he's as, very, as far very as guards go yeah as far as guards go 
there's not many other uh, guards that I would want to guard a center over Marcus Smart, so he definitely takes that spot. Um, okay, well, there's not much debate there then. Then we'll go into my second team. So this is where we might have a bit of bit of um, difference. I had as my two guards Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard. I had Kawhi Leonard as a guard. Um, and then as my forwards, I had Jason Tatum and Pascal Siakam. And my center was Joel Embiid. Yeah, right. I had a bit of um, bit of difference there, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I'll go through mine. Uh, you know, break down your team first if you want to go for it. Well, basically when I was looking at... Because I, I, I wanted to reward teams that have a really good defensive rating. And to my surprise, um, the Oklahoma City were actually well up there in terms of their defensive stats. And Chris Paul has been a staple in defensive teams for many years. And I, I, just, I just think that you really can't go past him um, in terms of the guards. Um, the other one who... So Kawhi Leonard obviously speaks for himself. Pretty, uh, I nearly had him in my first team, but just thought that... Um, the other two players were more deserving. Um, the two forwards, you could probably say, are a bit contentious. Jason Tatum, um, I think he was really underrated this year in, in defense. The, the Celtics were fourth overall in defensive rating, um, the second most um, in assists allowed. Um, they had some of the best opponent field goal percentage. And Jason Tatum has actually grown a lot in, in the defensive side of things. And, and I've watched a lot of Celtics games throughout the year. And um, I've been very, very impressed with his improvement in that area. Um, so I think you could probably say he's, he's one of the most contentious players in there. And Pascal Siakam, again, the, the Toronto Raptors, um, second overall in defensive rating, number one in points allowed. Um, so no team allowed fewer points than the Toronto Raptors. And I think... Um, he and the other guy I was thinking from the Raptors was uh, Fred Van Vliet uh, was another defensive guy but I decided to give him the spot at the forwards because I thought there was less contenders there um, yeah right. well, I'll I shout out OG Ananobi to... as well I'd, I'd also consider for the Raptors they're, they're, they're I also considered him but I think he's studs. I think he played two two fewer games he missed a chunk there and, and I think that yeah I think um, Pascal Siakam just played more minutes and had a bigger impact in my opinion but I could be swayed on, on both those last two guys Yeah, it really depends how you interpret this because I, I think coaching can be a big part of this defense and then that's why absolutely, I left out absolutely. Tatum and that's why I left out Siakam who, who you put in and I know I totally agree that Tatum's taken some big steps forward this season but I still feel like the reason that Celtics defense is so good is um just because of Brad Stevens as the coach and I mean, you and I both and, had Marcus Smart in, in the first team, and I think he's a big reason for that as well. But yeah, I, I love both those two I, players. I agree with you there. I, I agree with you there. And that's what makes, makes this um, defensive team's hard to pick was because these days the defensive comes down to the team defense and defensive schemes and things like that. Um, so it, it is tough to single out single um, players in, in that side of things. Yeah, well, my, my second team was um, I had Chris Paul, like you did. Um, yep. I then had my Chris Dunn as the, the second guard there. Oh, um, really? Okay. Followed by Kawhi Leonard. And I kind of cheated. I kind of put in two centers at the end, but I'm going to say Bam Adebayo was a, a power forward. And then I had Brooke Lopez in the center position. Okay, so you didn't have Joel Embiid in, in your second team? I didn't. I thought Brooke Lopez was just more important um, because that Milwaukee defense is, if you look at points per it's, game, uh, they're, they're, they're it, number it's one. miles and miles yeah. ahead. And I think that's primarily yeah. because of, obviously, firstly, Giannis. Um, being yeah. able to guard anyone, and Brook Lopez has been absolutely killing it at the rim this year, and he just he's been getting just absolutely piling up the blocks. So, yeah, and then okay. I put Bam in there just because Bam is I he, he can guard Bam. anyone, man. Like he's so big and athletic, um, and I think um, he could be a big 
factor if we see a Miami versus Milwaukee Bucks um, playoff. Um, so series. yeah, uh, in my in my head, I was considering Bam as a center, but had I considered him as a forward, I probably would have put him in over Tatum. Um, so I, I can't really argue there if, if you're sort of talking him up as a forward. Um, I'm not really sure exactly the criteria and, and what you know voters can do in that sort of side of things. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you that he's a very important part of that defense in, in Miami and, and his ability to, like I said, as a big man point of view, switch onto guards and be very agile that way. Um, Some. Bl- Blocks, like some chase down blocks I saw that man do is pretty incredible. Like he he's comes out of nowhere, athletic. and yeah. oh, he is crazy, crazy athlete. If you're gonna yeah. like make a list of the top five athletes in the NBA, um, I'd I'd find it pretty hard to leave Bam off that list. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, um, we might just um, as our last thing today, we might we might go through our all NBA teams, and, and I think we might leave our awards for the next pod. Um, so we're just going to go through the all NBA teams. We'll start. Let's let's start with the third team this time, and we'll sort of build up to our first team um, from there. So I think our second and third team might have the most contention. Um, so let, let's start there. Who's in your third team, all NBA, Cal? So my third team, I had Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. In the two guard spots. Yep. I then had Jason Tatum and Ben Simmons as my forwards, and Rudy Gobert as my center. Okay. So, all right. So, you, tell me your guards again. You had Westbrook and Bradley, Bradley Beal. Right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I had. I had, we had, surprisingly had some similarities here. Um, I did have Tatum in my third team, and Gobert and Westbrook. Um, but I had Damian Lillard over Bradley Beal and Paul George instead of... Who was your other forward? Sorry again. Uh, ben Simmons in that last Ben spot Simmons. Then. Okay, yeah. So I, I, didn't, I didn't have Bradley Beal or Ben Simmons making any of my teams. Um, and I had Paul George and Damian Lillard in both of those. Did you have Lillard and George appearing higher in, in the second or first team or not making completely? So I've got, I do have Dame in my second team. Um, okay. But I Dang do it. not... Um, I do not have Paul George, and I okay. just feel like he was. I feel like he he kind of came out the gates running and was looking pretty good with the, coming off the two sh- shoulder surgeries, but then he really dropped off and he really wasn't as efficient this year as he has been previously. And if you're looking at his stats, he's only put up 21 a game and, and shooting 44 percent from the field, which is kind of uncharacteristic of of what we've seen him put up previously. And I just thought that what Ben Simmons brought to the table. Um, Offensively and, and in particular defensively, as we both had him in our in our first all defense team, I, that's what really put me to put him over the edge um, in, and replace uh, Paul George in the third team. So yeah, I don't okay. have Paul George at all in any of my teams. Yeah, hot take. I see. I, I this is where I rewarded um, the team record, and I feel as though the 76ers underperformed a little bit. Um, I've got a 76er a bit higher up, but I just didn't think that Ben Simmons, um, even though I've rewarded him him in my um, defensive team, on the offensive side of things, I still think he's got a, a long ways to go. And I just, I feel as though Paul George is clearly the second best player on the team that I picked to win the championship. Um, so, and, and their record is still pretty good compared to the Sixers. So that's where I've rewarded Paul yeah, George. We're talking like healthy players then. You know, fair enough. But I just, I just yeah. didn't think he brought enough this season for me to put him in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll go through my second team, um, and I think I. So what I've done here again, I've considered Kawhi Leonard to be a guard, and I don't know if this is how they're going to do it, but I've, I've put him as a guard position, um, just so I can fit some more players in there. But in my second team, I've got Chris Paul as a guard, Kawhi Leonard, 
Anthony Davis as my forward and Pascal Siakam as my forward and then Nikola Jokic as my um, center for the second team. Yep. Yeah, we got a few similarities there. Um, I, I had Dame Lillard as my guard. I then I kind of cheated. I guess you can go add Jimmy Butler and Kawhi. I guess put okay. either one of those as the second guard spot. And then yep. um, Pascal Siakam and, and Jokic as well for my center. Yeah, true. Okay, so the difference there is you've got Jimmy Butler. So, I, yeah, again, it's going to seem like I hate Jimmy Butler because I had him below um, below Anthony Towns in our previous pod, and I don't have him on any of my All-NBA teams here. But um, so, and I've also I mean, got we're Chris talking Paul All-NBA. We're, we're talking like winning basketball. I mean, I yeah. find it pretty hard to not put him in and, and put someone like Paul George in just because he's been the best player on, on a team. Um, leading leading the team to the playoffs. I think Miami are in that, that fourth or fifth kind of seed range. So I, I had to throw someone in from Miami. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. And I, I, like I said, I, I would probably have Jimmy Butler over someone like Ben Simmons um, if I was to um, to choose there. And, and you know what, I probably could have put him in over Jason Tatum as well. So that's another one who maybe there's just a bit of <laughs> bias there on my part but um, what, are you, what are your thoughts about Chris Paul you haven't got him in any of your teams I've got him in my my second all NBA yeah he was a hard knock I um, I almost put him in for Bradley Beal or, or Westbrook in the third team yep um, I, I, one some part of me kind of regrets it a little bit but Look, I'm sorry, Chris. I hope you're not listening to this podcast, but I just didn't quite fit you in. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Chris Paul's out there listening to us. <laughs> but, but, um, but, yeah, I, I, I think you can't deny this, man. I think that the fact that the OKC Thunder have crept into the playoffs, well, not only crept into the playoffs, but they're, they're, they're up there and they're, they're locked and ready to go. And before the season started, I, I thought that they weren't going to make the playoffs at all. And, and through Chris Paul and a few young guys stepping up, um, they've made a real genuine push into the playoffs. The other fifth seed at the moment, um, vying for what used to be home court advantage. No one could have seen that coming. And, and I think that you know, Chris Paul's put together a healthy season, one of his, uh, one of his first in a, in a, a long time. And, and I think it's just, I couldn't, I couldn't put him anywhere any lower than, than second team All-NBA because I think, like you said, in terms of the um, Jimmy Butler on the Miami side of thing, the only reason the OKC Thunder are in the fifth spot in the West is Chris Paul. Yeah, you kind of got me eating my words a bit there. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, Chris yeah. Paul, he's been balling. I feel like it's just that team is full of, you've got a few younger players, but it's also full of um, some, some vets. And you got Steven Adams, um, yeah, who true. I mean he's been around for a while now. And you got someone Gallinari. like Danilo Gallinari, the um, the yeah. feisty Italian, who he, yeah. that man just drops buckets. So you got like when you put Chris Paul in the mix with a, a young Shea going into his what is his third year now, I believe. So he's um he's second been great. Year. He's um his second year. Yeah, he's yeah, just, he's year. a walking bucket really. I love um, I love me some SGA. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I agree that they're, they're not like a, a terrible team outside of Chris Paul, but I just think that, that he's head and shoulders like above as their best player, and I think he's the, the captain of the ship there, and I think he deserves to be on my all-NBA teams. So um, I'm thinking that our NBA first team will be pretty identical. I don't really see how you can argue anyone outside of these, although Jermaine might want to try and argue one of our guards. Um, so my two guards, I had James Harden and Luka Doncic. My forwards, I had LeBron James and Giannis, and then my center, I had Joel Embiid. Did you have anyone different? Um, I did. I did have. I oh. actually I had everyone except for the center spot, and um, it's okay. because I, I actually kind of cheated, and I put Anthony Davis in at the center. Ah, um, okay. So I actually, I actually didn't have Joel Embiid in my in my three teams, which I also felt a bit bad about because I feel like he's better than um, Ben Simmons, but um, yep. 
because I, I, I AD Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert with my, as my three centers. Um, you know what? I've, I've, I've just realized the mistake that I've made. Oh no, I had no, no, it's alright. I did. I have Anthony Davis in my second team. Yeah. Okay. So I, for some reason I forgot that I put him there, but no. Um, so you had Anthony Davis at center. Is that right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I, as yeah. I said, kind of a bit of a cheat, but um, look, I feel like <laughs> you can put Luca James at that guard position. LeBron and Giannis yeah. as the forwards. Like I, I feel like those four really are locks. And depending on who you want to have as your center, I think Anthony yeah. Davis is just a better player than um, Joel Embiid. So, I mean, look, if they're, healthy, if they're healthy and battling, maybe I'd pick yeah. a healthy Joel Embiid, but it's just what, what, what Anthony Davis has brought to the table, especially and, and, because defensively um, that Lakers team has been so impressive this year, and that, that's an, Anthony Davis is the main reason behind that. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like, and this is a bit of a problem with the All NBA teams and how they how they do their voting. Um, I don't think that we really should have a de- uh, designated center spot for these teams, um, especially when it decides things like contracts and bonuses and that like that for some players. Um, so if if the center spot was eradicated, I would have Anthony Davis in there. I just for my list considered him a, a forward, and I couldn't justify putting him in over Giannis and LeBron. Um, so that that was my reasoning, and I think just Joel Embiid is just the best center in the NBA when healthy, and and he he's been somewhat healthy this year. Like it's not like he's missed huge chunks of games. Um, I, I definitely consider him healthy enough to sort of be on my list. Um, and I think in terms of like the defense he brings and the the total point scoring, I think yeah he, he he's deserving. So did you, remind me, did you have Joel Embiid on any of your teams? I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, wow, I felt wait. really okay. bad putting, putting Ben Simmons into the third team when when I knew for a fact that Joel Embiid is the better um, Sixers player. But I, just, wow, I didn't wait. have space for this whole center <laughs> positioning. So yeah, it really okay. does kind of um, as you touched on we really should just be putting the best five players in each team. And it's kind of yeah. annoying that we have, we're a bit restricted to what we can put in there. And I just thought yeah. that Anthony Davis has had a, a killer season. Jokic um, with the Nuggets, you, you can't not put him in a team. And I mean, look, it's Rudy and, and Embiid I could switch out. Um, yeah. But I feel like yeah. Rudy Gobert really deserves a bit of praise. So I put him in. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. It is that center spot that's usually the most contentious. But... Yeah, I think I think we're we're pretty much in agreement on all the others. And just a shout out to Jermaine Luka Doncic, first team All NBA guard. Um, and uh, I think that, that's we'll the consensus. Look, everyone yeah. everyone on this podcast agrees. So I think one hundred percent agreement there. So um, yeah, I, I think um, when we talk about some other awards, I'll I'll be bringing up Doncic's name as well. So and I may very uh, well be as well. <laughs> we'll save that for next week. Um, but we're going to call it there for, for episode three on the, the Ball Boys NBA podcast. Um, thanks for tuning in. We're now up and running on Apple Podcasts. So if you know someone that uses that over Spotify or, or Stitcher, get them to listen on there and give us a rating. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys next week with some more NBA basketball talk about. See ya. See ya.